You are listening to the European Bootstrapping Champions Podcast, brought to you by Russ Media Equity Partners, a show with and for bootstrappers to discuss ideas, opportunities, and to learn from tech entrepreneurs about what drives them and what is their key to success. Catch our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Welcome very much to the Rus Media Equity Partner Podcast. I'm Nicole Zeka, I'm Managing Partner at RMEP. And today's guest is Joana Dragomir, who joins us from Bucharest, Romania. She's the founder of the B2B event marketplace Tulipa. Uh, welcome, Joana. Thank you for having me, Nicola. Wonderful. I mean, Joana, let's just jump straight in. Um, maybe you start off with telling about us uh, what Tulipa actually is and what uh, I as a customer can do on your site. Yes. Uh, so Tulipa is an all-in-one business and automation platform that helps event suppliers manage their entire client and finance infrastructures. While at the same time, it provides a platform for businesses and suppliers to engage, book and manage the entire life cycle of contracts, invoices, calendars and tasks in a single fully automated uh, solution. Um, we are now calling it an e-sourcing platform for marketing and purchasing because we are focusing on the B2B side and our main customers are marketing managers and purchasing managers, buyers who are interested in finding suppliers for their brand activations, experiential marketing events or small and medium sized um, events that they need to organize. Fantastic. So let me put it in my words for, for, for a dummy like me. It's kind of the customer is an event organizer at a company, for example. Yes. So I'm going to organize my Christmas party and I need an event location. I need music. I need catering. Yes. I need flowers. That's a correct. Band, the entire spectrum, kind of the entire spectrum of services that you might need for your event. And actually a category that's been highly overlooked, it's um, uh, the small added services that are booked for every type of event. Like this summer, we've been flooded with requests for uh, ice cream cards. Ice cream uh, which cards? Is, yes. Wow. Um, and cotton candy cards. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a low value uh, type of service, but it was just very frequent throughout the entire summer. So everyone from Wednesdays to Sundays wanted to book a, an ice cream cart or a cotton candy cart for their own events. Oh, fantastic. And maybe that's exactly where the marketplace comes in handy because probably I would think of the event location and maybe the music, but then all the small things is, is really a hassle to, to, to Google it by myself every time, right? That's exactly what we're trying to do. Save you some time. Yeah. Hopefully exactly. 60%. And then probably have a scoring and, 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 and know which supplier is good and, and not so good. Yes, we have a scoring, but um, not to disclaim too much. Uh, we are uh, looking into an ML algorithm that will provide some additional scoring for suppliers that comes from social media and his behavior uh, online outside of our platform also. So that would be a very interesting one. 
Fantastic. I always thought it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge hassle to organize these kinds of events. I'm always been super happy if somebody in the team uh, was good good at doing it, but it, it's a, it's a lot, lot of work and it's really underestimated how much work people have to put into organizing one especially corporate event. That's true and even if you were very skilled at that, let's say it's your job to organize events because that's what you do you're an event planner or event manager. It's still a big hustle for you to do all the admin stuff, to coordinate all the suppliers, to document the relationship, write the contracts and the invoices with all the suppliers. And that's when a marketplace comes in handy for agencies and for event managers as well. It makes a lot of sense. And, and often it's not uh, like professional event planners. Often it's, you know, the team assistant or somebody in HR who, who, who does the event planning and they're not super focused on that. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm sure it helps even more. Uh, Joanna, maybe let's start at the beginning. Like, what did you do before Tulipa? And, you know, how do you find the idea and gather the strength to jump right into the water and, and, and start the business? Yes, this is going to be funny, I guess. So um, I have a corporate background. I am a digital transformation professional. I've been leading... What is a digital transformation professional, Jana? Yeah, so I've been leading um, <laughs> transformation projects for Fortune 500 customers. Oh, okay. Um, and that's a mix of optimizing processes, then adding on top uh, ERPs or CRMs or other tools, tools from SAP, Salesforce, Ariba, and so on and so forth. And also doing a bits and pieces of RPA, of robotic process automation. So basically looking at an organization, at their processes, and just completely transforming them through new ways of doing it and through new tools and new technologies. So coming with this uh, background, um, I thought, hmm, here's an interesting industry I could transform, right? Through tools and um, change of uh, processes, which seemed pretty easy and straightforward at the beginning, right? You just implement some workflows, trigger some automatic yeah. contracts, invoices, that's it. How hard can it be? And then suppliers will obviously love us and use the tool all the time. We'll so um, you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, there was not a strength that brought me into the startups world, but a sort of naivete, right? Um, I thought it's going to go straightforward. So, yeah, uh, almost two years ago, uh, together with my co-founder, uh, Larissa, we planted planted the seed um, of what uh, later became uh, Tuliper. Larissa actually brings extensive event management experience, including events for Real Madrid and FC Barcelona. So we did have the understanding of the industry from the inside on one hand, and we had the understanding of the technology on the other hand. So um, we believe we're well equipped to start this journey. Uh, it is. It continues to be more challenging than we expected, but it's also um, very rewarding along the way when you hit your milestones and see that you can actually keep going despite the challenges that you face. Where did you find your, your co-founder? We knew each other um, from before, but we didn't work together and we were not close friends, let's say, but we, I kind of knew what she was doing and she kind of knew what I was doing. And then when I, we had the idea, we kind of just found each other in the same room and start talking about it. And it was just a, let's say, a happy coincidence. Okay. Okay. And both of you immediately know, knew that the event space was, was the space you wanted to, to work in? Or was it yes. a process of discussing? No, we knew we wanted to do uh, this type of transformation of the event space. Yeah, We just didn't know how exactly. 
and when where to start from uh so we've been doing a lot of uh pivoting let's say uh since then so how did you start and 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 what what did you change so we started as a b2c platform uh right what everyone says you're doing weddings and baptisms yeah that's where we started because um that's where we could find the largest supplier base and we believed it's easier to go consumer first and then add the businesses but as we progressed we realized that we have a lot of customers coming from the b2b side they have a slightly different need but we can better address their needs and there are multiple benefits of working with businesses rather than consumers directly so we slowly pivoted towards b2b let's say. And um, I guess it was uh, at the beginning of this year that we realized we really need to build a vertical marketplace. It's not enough just to provide them with a you know, directory of services, mm -hmm. but we really need to add some extra value and take care of the entire value chain for them, because that's where we're saving time and that's where we're saving the money. When you're talking about the entire value chain, what does it mean? Like payment and and oh. and the contracting, the contract. the contracting, the payment part, and the um, uh, light coordination. I will call it. So we have yeah. two options. You can also engage with a human event uh, organizer or account manager who can help you. But you can also have the light coordination through some chatbots. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, as you know, we have a, in our portfolio we have a similar company called Eventing, who they specialize on event locations. And I can, I can see some of the same lessons learned. I think they started out much more focused on the B2C side. I think most people, when they enter this space, they think about birthday parties and, and the private events. And uh, the deeper you, you dive into the area, the more you realize that the big piece of the pie is really corporate events, um, uh, seminars, uh, yeah, whatever kind of, uh, employee events, uh, it's it's probably the, the 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 bigger and juicier part of the market it, it is um the consumer side is also a big pilot thing yeah but um i'm happy to see that we are more and more market marketplaces focusing on the b2b side because there's a huge market there's a one 1.1 trillion um dollar market and there's too little of us <laughs> <laughs> focusing on the B2B side, yeah. uh, really focusing and really doing the hard work of standardizing and digitizing it. It's mm. going to take a while, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, looking back at your first two years or so, what were the biggest challenges that you encountered along the way? I think it, uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the engagement. So, mm -hmm. because at first we believe that as long as we bring on the platform suppliers and we also bring customers, then the engagement will just happen because it's natural. Well, yeah. Clients are looking for suppliers, suppliers are there and everything yeah. will just happen. Reality is that it does not happen by itself. And sometimes one of the sides gets disengaged um and then the other side gets also disengaged because they don't getting the right answers mm. in the right time and that took us a lot of time to learn um at the beginning we had high engagement rate from the supplier side and customers were not responding on time so the supply side got demotivated mm. and they started to respond slower and slower and we learned that um customers were sending 40 percent of the request on sunday afternoon 
Mm-hmm. Suppliers were not responding on Sunday I afternoon. Bet. They were responding not even on Monday, sometimes on Tuesday. And after a couple of hours, um, customers were completely disengaged, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted an answer then. They wanted to know I what's the sense. price and so on. So we all of a sudden, we lost the entire engagement on, of the both sides, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to do something about it. So that's how um, we learned that we really need to control the value chain. Otherwise, we need to do a lot of training. We need to show them how it's done. They need to learn how to sell, right? Suppliers also need to know how to put their services forth to close the businesses. And there's a lot of effort there also. Whereas when we control the the, the flow a lot more, then it's a, a lot easier to feed the needs of the clients and the suppliers at the same time. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it kind of, I mean, we, we are focused on investing in marketplaces and obviously in marketplaces, the big question is always to how did, do you jumpstart the, the flywheel of supply and demand at the same time? And so, but if I understand you, what you're saying is for, for you, the biggest problem was not even getting, you know, the hand and the egg question of supply and demand. Uh, but once you've managed to have some decent supply and demand on the marketplace, it was more about really managing the the engagement between both yes. sides. It, it just felt like you're at the mercy of other people's communication yeah. skills, right? <laughs> so we said, okay, this needs to stop. Let's do something else. So we're building standard offers for each supplier. We're actually mm-hmm. uh, relaunching the platform and it's quite ready with that. Uh, we've learned how they build their, their offers. We're, um, they're providing that to, uh, to us. We're standardizing everything. Customers, once they come in, they can browse through the offers and select the one that fits their budget. And trust me, the industry is not as custom as they say. It's pretty standard. Um, yeah. if you deep dive and keep talking to them, they have a price per hour or a price per venue or, I don't know, um, uh, price per square meter and so on and so forth. So you can actually do it um, in a standardized manner. So you see the offers, you book an offer, supplier has 24 hours to respond to that offer, um, right? Approve yeah. or not, if, based on their um, um, confirmed availability, that triggers the contract and then the payment, uh, the advance payment and later payments um, further down the line. Hmm. So that that's get that uh, gives us the control over the contract also and over the relationship uh, to some extent. I, I understand. I can I can sympathize with the fact that that is really an issue, how to 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 customize and standardize the process and uh, add on uh, all the services along the value chain. Still, maybe if you allow me, I would like to ask because it's 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 always this big question of hand and egg and supply and demand. Like, how did you get your first, your, like your first 10 or 20 customer suppliers on, on, on your website? Like, how did you do that? Um, I think with suppliers in this industry was pretty, um, straightforward and fun from the beginning. We acquired our first suppliers from, um, uh, Instagram. We were just yeah. talking and engaging with them, inviting them to join yeah. the platform. And so they did it. And it was free um, at the beginning, I guess, no? And it was free, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you just called them or text them and, and said, hey, yeah. would you like to put an ad on my site? Yes. And there are no yeah. costs, okay. Yeah, and that's how it went at the beginning. Um, but now I still can consider that getting suppliers, it's it will continue to be easy as long as you bring good business to them. Yeah. As long as you bring business, suppliers will will, will stay uh, right on the platform. But when engagement drops, like I mentioned before, then 
of course they will be okay. demotivated or will leave and on the customer side well it was really uh, organic at the beginning or um, seo driven let's say they then later on we started with some google ads as well with some paid ads all together so that's how okay. we find okay and obviously that's usually the moment when you need some financing right so did you yes. did you look for external financing at that moment um we didn't look but it happened we were pretty lucky um one and a half um years ago um we were supported by neogen capital they had quite a, some experience uh, with building marketplaces here in romania as well um so yeah it just happened but it, it's funny when i talk about it because two years ago my vocabulary didn't have the uh terms such as equity or valuation yeah. or venture capital even um and some things just happen along the way and you learn and grow of course yeah but it's good it's i think if you focus on the product uh, and then you learn the financing skills on the way it, it's usually better than the other way around yeah actually if um someone would have told me about this journey while i was still an employee look Ivana, it's yeah. gonna go like this I would have said no way <laughs> i'm not doing that that's crazy why would anyone ever do that what satisfaction yeah. could you ever ever possibly get out of that uh, but uh, of course now the the story is slightly different but it's a fair point uh, i see that relatively often i mean you call it a, a bit cheek in tone naivete at the beginning but a bit of being a bit naive maybe helps like because if you if you see already all the potential uh, problems that could come your way before you even start maybe you never will right absolutely <laughs> so having absolutely. a bit of optimism and just uh, even calling it being naive in in, in some way uh, maybe helps or is even necessary right because you yeah. can kill your own idea if you if you think about all the problems yeah and all the challenges and how much you have to learn and um yeah it i think it's also a personal journey at the end of it because there's so much you don't know and you just have to push yourself all the time you need to learn that you need to grow out of that i was always saying i'm not going to do sales like never don't ask yeah. me i'm not going to do sales now i have to do it to some extent right just need to grow out of your limits somehow exactly. and here you are doing podcasts even not only sales <laughs> yes it's my first podcast by the way that's fantastic. another thing i said oh, i'm not never gonna oh, do <laughs> fantastic yeah a special honor to have you then um joanna you started two years ago which was obviously an ideal time to invest into real life events right uh, at the middle of the pandemic how did that go for you and how did it affect your uh, your business i sometimes um talk to my co-founder and we say that um if the pandemic and the war and the inflation will not break us then probably we should succeed at one point in time so it was very slow when we started uh, because the pandemic just hit not much was happening so we had to focus on other things we were focusing on the product we were focusing on nurturing our supplier base and we were kind of um um you know setting up ourselves for what was uh, to come and then we were almost out of the pandemic and getting excited about what's coming and then it was um the news about the war and there were again two months when uh kind of businesses and consumers were kind of uh, paralyzed hmm. 
not knowing what's going to happen and not making decisions towards events or anything as such for the spring or the summer period. And once that relaxed a little bit, the other conversations started to happen around prices increasing, inflation and so on and so forth, which continues to happen, budgets being cut and um, so on. So I think it's never been easy. <laughs> it's never been the right time for us. But I guess it's just, it, it is what it is. And we just need to push through this um, time period and focus on what we can actually control. Like the product we can control, the relationship with our customers, maybe we can control. Whereas the budget is not in our power to control in any way at this point in time. Very true, very true. But I've seen uh, online, I've seen, I mean, you've really had a couple of uh, noteworthy successes in the last months at several startup competitions. Um, maybe you can tell us a bit about about that. Yes, we were equally honored and uh, surprised for that to happen. So it started in uh, summer when we were awarded the top 50 startup award uh, by the World Festival in the US. Um, then we were nominated for um, top 100 for the pitch competition at Web Summit and then for um, Slush 100 <laughs> um, startups at Slush. So they all just came um, towards us. And yeah, I'm, it just came as a validation because uh, throughout our journey, it's been pretty difficult. And we did get a lot of, um, you know, you cannot scale. This doesn't scale. This doesn't work. It's too custom, so on and so forth, that type of conversation. But when you get this type of external validation, then it just pushes you uh, forward a little bit. I'm sure it helps a lot. I mean, maybe you can tell us, I know a lot of founders and aspiring founders are listening to us. So does participating in these contests and uh, and summits, does it bring value to, to the business? Like, does it attract new, I don't know, new investors or employees? Or what's the value of participating and, and even winning in those kind of competitions? So the visibility is, of course, um, important. We had very engaging conversations after the competition. Uh, it was really interesting from um, a team engagement uh, perspective because it did give us quite a boost within the team. Mm -hmm. So it was good for um, the team. We are obviously um, um, really bootstrapped at this point in time. So we're not hiring anyone, but I'm sure that would, would have been helpful. And it also has to do with our experience as um, brand new founders, let's say, uh, to practice pitching, interacting with different um, uh, groups, let's say, and uh, yeah, learning how to do it better. Yeah, I'm sure that's not. I mean, I always I, I hear conversations with founders, and it's it's always a bit how much time. Obviously, I mean, your time is limited, and and then you always have to decide how much you dedicate to the product, to your customers and to visibility on on the markets and it, it's a balancing act uh, which uh, never ends i guess yeah um yes it's a balancing balancing act uh, it's a, a thing i i had to learn uh, the hard way also because i'm the doer type of person i don't like to interact much so i would rather do some excel files or get the work done as soon as possible <laughs> rather than you know going out and networking and meeting people and just talking over and over again about yeah. my start startup um so yeah, I'm just learn. I'm keep. I'm still learning it. So I'm just learning how to go out at this type of events, interacting with people, telling them about Tulip or what we're aim, aiming yeah. to do, and so on. 
Yeah. Uh, no, very interesting. Joanna, uh, at the end of our podcast, we always kind of, uh, it's kind of a tradition. We always ask our, our founders for, yeah, any kind of advice you have for, for people who want to follow in your footsteps. I mean, you're a female founder from Romania in your own business. Um, anything you would tell other people? You know, many people think about this decision for years and think, oh, shall I do it? Shall I not do it? Shall I, I have this good, well-paying corporate job? And uh, it's maybe I'm not completely happy there, but it's it's, it's not so bad and it's well-paying. What would cozy. you tell them? It's cozy. Well, I'm most definitely going to repeat um, what others have said before. Well, you should do it in small steps. I don't think it's wise either to cut any roots that you have. Just jump uh, like crazy into something new. You should take uh, small steps until it feels comfortable for you to make a change um, and become an entrepreneur. Um, that would be one, but don't wait too long because then you're going to get, um, you know, cold feet and uh, understand all the risks and challenges and you're not going to do it uh, at all, maybe. Um, and the other one, I think it has to do with the fact that uh, we should pilot more things a lot earlier, test a lot more, a lot earlier, rather than focusing on doing something perfect, which is definitely far from perfect. Yeah, that's super um, interesting. That's definitely a recurring theme. The last one you hear everywhere. I think when you begin, people think too much. Uh, how can you do it perfectly? And 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 um, yes. at some moment, it's just about trying and and seeing what happens, right? Yes, that's and true. And then and then adjusting afterwards. It's just that fear, you know. Uh, how can I go out talk to a customer where I don't have the you know presentation or the business yeah. case or I don't have anything. And you just fall into that trap and postpone for months. And yeah, sometimes Super. you just got to go do it. <laughs> Joanna, thanks very much. I think that's been uh, super interesting and, and, and really also very inspiring. Uh, and um, we'll be super happy to kind of follow your journey as, as you and the company continue growing. Uh, that would be very, very, very interesting. I'm sure you'll, you'll have lots of success in Romania and then later on also outside of it. Super happy. Thanks for uh, thanks for being with us uh, and hope to talk to you again maybe someday. Thank you, Nicola. It's been a pleasure for me to be here and uh, actually right break another barrier of myself speaking <laughs> <laughs> in a podcast. Thank you very Super. much for having me. This podcast was brought to you by Rest Media Equity Partners. Thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe to our channel so you never miss a show. If you liked it, be sure to share it. Bye.